0: Friends, today is the fourth Sunday in Advent, the last Sunday before we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The theme of our sermon series as Advent has been prepare, and today we talk more about that because we recognize that Advent isn't just about the birth of Jesus. We also celebrate the return of Christ as well, His second coming. And it's Jesus who tells us in our scripture today, But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun, but only the Father. And yet books like The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey, which was written in 1970, use scriptures to predict a time frame in which Jesus will return. This particular book predicted that Jesus would return in the 1980s and how Lindsay sold over 28 million copies even through 1990 after the 80s were over. Many of you know Stephen King. He's written many books, and he wrote a fictional book called The Stand in 1978, which was re-released in 1990, and it was followed with a TV miniseries as an interpretation of the end of the world. And maybe you have heard of the Left Behind series, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins' fictional books that were written between 1995 and 2007. It also included children's books that could be read uh, for the younger generation, and then it was followed with three different films that starred Kirk Cameron. This whole Left Behind series focuses on our scripture today that says that one will be taken and one will be left behind. Now, the book's theology, not the Bible's theology, but the book's theology says that Jesus will rapture up everyone and the living to be with him when he returns, while destruction and chaos will take place here on the earth. No one wants to be left behind. It will be unbearable as the Antichrist reigns on earth and awaits the final battle called Armageddon. Well, despite all the books that have been written about the In times, even Christian music has saying about it. This same theology is seen through the Christian music group DC Talk, who sang a song, We Wish We'd All Been Ready, using the same imagery that some will be left behind. Now, it's interesting because Jesus addresses this same issue as he tells his disciples a parable we know as the parable of the weeds, which is in Matthew chapter 13. And if you read this parable, you will find that it seems to contradict the very thinking of the left-behind phenomenon, particularly that those who are taken are the wicked, they are the weeds, and those who are left behind are the faithful. In fact, it negates a theology that says that Jesus will take us out of the great tribulation and have what we call a half-coming, where he comes down in the clouds and immediately leaves and then will come back again. That's two and a half-comings. Instead, we believe that when Jesus returns, that he will return. And when he does, judgment will take place, and then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Make no mistake, our obsession that our culture has with the end times is real, and our fears drive our attention to it. We want to know what will happen. When will it happen? And how will it happen? Now, I don't know if you ever saw this TV show before, but there was a TV show that was on the National Geographic channel called Doomsday Preppers. It was a show about people who are super paranoid about the end of the world, and so they go to great lengths to prepare their family for the worst. So they build underground bunkers, and they purchase rations to last for months and even up to years, and they store up weapons and gas masks in case a disaster actually occurs. They also run and train drills with their family as they are prepared so that when that day comes, they have nothing to be worried about. Now, I have to tell you, some of these bunkers cost more than our own homes do. In stark contrast to this, we have those who are very apathetic to the whole idea of the end of the world. These folks realize that the earth has been here for a long, long time and that it has survived even nuclear explosions. Some people believe that these doomsday preppers are crazy people and that any emergency preparedness is really just silly. But as Christians... I find that we live between the tension of the two, those who are driven and focused on their fears and those who aren't focused at all living in a perpetual state of apathy. We find the same attitude at work in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, don't we? We live in the tension of judgment and of grace, of faith and of hope, of a God who commands us not to fear, but at the same time tells us that we should be prepared. Now, my message today is not about the end of the world as others understand it, but about Jesus' promise to return and come back for us. He tells us that it will come unexpectedly that the world will continue as it always has. People will be eating, they'll be drinking, they'll be marrying and doing all the normal things that we do each day. But it will come as a surprise, much like a thief in the night. And Jesus tells us that we are to stay awake or to keep watch, or maybe better translated in today's terms, to be prepared. He says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. And he also says it again in verse 13 of chapter 25 at the end of the parable of the ten virgins. In other words, Advent is important because we are reminded to set our gaze on Christ's final return and to be prepared for it. Now, if you've ever boarded a plane before and flown anywhere, surely you've experienced what I call the safety talk before you get on the flight. Now, prior to takeoff, the flight attendant is required to give you this safety talk. Surely you know what I'm talking about. The flight attendant will say the nearest exits are over here and over here and over here. And then reminds you that if the plane goes down, that your seat cushion is becoming a flotation device for you. Now, I have to tell you, I always laugh about that because if the plane's going to go down, that's the last thought I have on my mind is that the seat cushion is going to be my flotation device. Have you ever looked around to see how many people are actually listening to the flight attendant? I mean, it's usually pre-recorded, so they're just kind of pointing around and doing everything they're supposed to do. But how many people really pay attention to it? You know, I've noticed and I've looked around and I find that very few people actually do. The majority of people are already asleep. Some of them have their AirPods in their ears. They're either listening to music or watching a show, or maybe they're talking to the person seated next to them, but very few are actually paying attention and looking and listening to the flight attendant's safety speech. Now, it's probably true that many of the folks who are on the airplane fly pretty frequently, so they've heard it before, maybe many times, and so they're really not interested in listening to it again. But truth be told, no one who boards the plane really believes that the plane is actually going to go down or experience a problem. If we really thought that that was going to happen, we wouldn't be on the plane to begin with. We're often told that the dangers of flying on a plane are much smaller than actually driving around in a car. Now, if you're a hardcore King James version of the Bible type person, then maybe you'll never get on a plane again. Because if you read the Great Commission in Matthew's Gospel, at the very end, when Jesus tells his disciples to baptize everybody in his name, he says to them, And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus didn't say anything about being with you high up in an airplane, 30,000 feet above the ground. All joking aside, there are times, really, when airplanes have engine failure or technical issues or weather issues that force them into an emergency situation. I don't know if you remember what happened to those who were flying on U.S. Airways flight 1549 from New York to Charlotte on January the 15th of 2009. Many people got on that flight like it was any other, but truth be told, it wasn't. Many of them probably didn't listen to the flight attendant talk about the safety talk and what they are to do if there is a problem with the plane. As soon as the flight took off, three minutes into the flight, there were geese who flew into the engines, forcing the plane to land in the Hudson River. You may remember that Captain Sully Sullenberger was the pilot who landed the plane safely into the river, saving over 150 lives that day. Can you imagine being on a flight like that? I'm sure it was very scary, but thankfully the pilot was prepared and used his training to safely land the plane and avoid disaster. You see, Jesus gives us a warning. He gives us the safety talk ahead of time. He says to stay awake or to be prepared. Now, He's not asking us to refuse not to go to sleep, or Jesus is asking us to live. or to live in fear like a doomsday prepper. He's not asking us to do either of those things. What he wants and what he's trying to say to us is that we are to live each day with focus and with purpose. We are to live the Christian life in anticipation that our king will return soon. Now, if you knew that your house was going to be broken into, you would be prepared for it. If you knew that there would be issues on a flight, you would make sure that you were prepared and ready for an emergency situation. You would listen to the flight attendant. If you were aware that inclement weather was coming your way, you would take appropriate measures to prepare for it so that you are safe and sound in the midst of it. That is what we do when we know that something is coming. But too often we can also live like the foolish bridesmaids who were totally unprepared for the groom's arrival. They knew that the groom would come, but just not when they expected it to happen. You see, all the bridesmaids fell asleep, but when the cry rang out that the groom had arrived, only those who were prepared had the oil that they needed for this processional. You have to understand Palestinian weddings in recent centuries to understand what's going on. You see, the climax was reached when the women torchbearers or the bridesmaids would go out to meet the the bridegroom and his male friends. The bridesmaids wait outside the bride's home for his coming so that they can escort her en route to his home. And it wasn't uncommon for there to be repeated announcements that the groom was coming because delays can occur while the bride's relatives haggle over the value of the presents that would be given to them. And yet it seems somewhat unchristian of the wise bridesmaids to refuse to share their oil with those who were unprepared. But sharing their oil would have risked the chance that all of their torches would go out and that it would ruin the whole procession their response is actually out of concern and respect for the bride and for the groom. They don't want to ruin the wedding at the expense of those who weren't prepared. So when the foolish bridesmaids arrive late to the wedding banquet, they're not allowed to come in. The groom excludes them because they have insulted the bride and the groom and their relatives. In fact, they're greeted with, truly I tell you, I do not know you. To be told, I do not know you, it was said when someone wished to treat others as strangers and keep them from approaching them. You see, wedding feasts involve great joy. And to be shut out of the feast would cause great mourning. Jesus is telling us to be prepared. And in being prepared is to live in such a manner that you had no cause for shame if the master came unannounced, since in fact he will do so. As I was driving down the road one day, I saw a bumper sticker that read, Jesus is coming soon. Look busy. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think being busy is a problem for most of us. Uh, we certainly don't have to look busy. I mean, the real question is, what kind of busy are we? Are we following Jesus busy, or are we self-centered busy? See, contrary to popular opinion, when Jesus said, follow me, he wasn't looking for Twitter followers who passively glance at what he has to say and then go about living life as usual. He wasn't looking for people to declare him Lord of their lives, but live their lives as if nothing had changed. Self-centered busy is in direct opposition to Jesus busy. You see, self-centered busyness seeks to make us happy and comfortable and self-dependent. This busyness is a life with very little awareness of Jesus' true vision for our lives. This busyness sees Jesus as one of many voluntary options, a Jesus who wants us to be good and happy and to serve when we're able to do so. This way, Jesus becomes an addition to our life rather than the center of it. In this manner, Jesus is needed only when there is a crisis and when we realize that we're not truly in control. This is not what Jesus is seeking for us. Jesus is seeking followers who would trust him and abandon everything else to follow him. His followers denied themselves following his lead, which caused them to stand out from the culture in which they lived. And Jesus sought to make disciples who put him at the center of their lives and allowed everything they did to be influenced first and foremost by him and his teachings. He wanted disciples who were willing to use their resources and talents for the glory of God. To be Jesus busy is to be about the work of the kingdom of God in the world. It's to live each day with a sense of urgency to be about the mission of Jesus daily We live to tell the good news of what Jesus has done for us, to speak as witnesses of his grace and mercy in our lives, and to work for justice and mercy in the world. Jesus' busy is purpose-driven and frees us to live in the assurance that if Jesus returns today, we will not be disappointed because we have stayed awake as doers of the gospel and not just passive believers in Christ. See, Jesus welcomed everyone to follow him, but only a few chose to do so. Someone once told Jesus, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you will go. And Jesus replied, Well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another one said, Well, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus replied to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own. I wonder, what are our excuses for not acting now? I ask you today, if Jesus were to return today, would you be ready for him? And what regrets, if any, would fill your heart? You know, I think I would regret wasting Uh, A lot of my time and energy on things that really don't have any real purpose or meaning in life. In other words, being self-centered busy. The truth is, is that no one is perfect. We we will all have regrets no matter what. I mean, even Jesus' disciples were not perfect. In fact, they messed up an awful lot if you read the Gospels. I know they had many regrets. I mean, Peter denied Jesus three times. Thomas doubted him. And Judas betrayed him. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Christ forgives us, and he still calls us his disciples, and he still calls us his church, even though we often make a mess of it. He redeems us, he cleanses us, and he sets us right and sends us back out to follow. But I think it's important for us as the church Not to use God's forgiveness as an excuse to be slack or apathetic for the kingdom of God. Jesus reminds us to whom much is given, much is required. So friends, today if you find yourself in need of God's grace and forgiveness, know that our God always stands ready to give us the grace that we need to be about His work together in the world. Maybe today you need to trade in self-centered busyness for Jesus-centered busyness. And if so, God is ready to give you real purpose and real focus for His kingdom work. Because today is a new day. A new day for us to stay awake, to be prepared, and to be intentionally busy. Not for ourselves, but for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Because I have to tell you, friends... Jesus' promise is true. One day he will come again, appearing in the clouds, suddenly like a thief in the night. But I am sure until that day comes, he will probably show up unexpectedly around the corner, maybe as a hungry person, or maybe as a neighbor in need of clothes, or maybe one who is sick and in need of care, or maybe even as someone imprisoned and in need of of a visit. You see, it's important for us to be prepared, to, to pay attention, to keep our eyes open, to stay awake, and to see the Christ who is right here in front of us. For our Lord is coming, and we should be excited and ready to receive him rather than being caught by surprise and even left outside the great wedding banquet. Friends, let us be prepared. Let us keep awake to be alert and to look and to notice Christ here with us, even as we await his glorious return, when we'll be with him in eternity forever. May it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.